I want you to do, I want you to lift those hands. I want you to just close those eyes. And I want you to just say, Jesus, you change everything. It doesn't matter how small, it doesn't matter how small or insignificant the change that you need is. But if you present him with your cares, he can care for you. So, Father, today, we cast our cares upon you. I pray, let there be a peace. Let it be a peace which can be the platform for what you're wanting to do today. Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. Such a spirit of ministry that is here already. Amen. Anybody feel that spirit of ministry in this house? Amen. It's so good to be back at Antioch, a church that prays. Uh, just, it's good to be back. I'm just going to say that. But it's been two years, about two years in January. Or, yeah, about two years in January. And a lot has changed, it seems, here. I feel, Pastor, just like there's so many new faces, and it's almost like they're, I don't know, a rollover of people. And I, I just I can't even put it into words as I began to look around and see all the young adults and, and the young people and our elders and this multi-generational revival that God is doing. Traction. Traction is the word. It feels like there's traction. Because sometimes I know now, because I'm a pastor, I used to be kind of the, the kind that love them and leave them. Preach for a weekend, take off down the road. I was the grandparent in ministry. Sugar the kids up, send them, leave them with their parents. But now i got to stick around and make sure people get to bed on time and Man, that's where I'm at. Sometimes it feels like you're spinning your wheels. But when you start to get a little traction and begin to move forward, it means a whole lot. And I see all the babies. Y'all, do you realize I was like sitting over there and I seen all the babies that people were holding and whatever marriage curriculum that you are doing, it's working. Or you can tell people were quarantined in 2020. Either way. It's good to be back at Antioch. I, I always enjoy coming here because so many people that I consider friends and many I consider family. Amen. Love your pastor and his wife, their family. Amen. All of you. Listen, I, I, I had to apologize to the girls but because both of the girls got married. And I fully intended to be at everyone's wedding. But being a pastor, so you got to stick around and do funerals and stuff like that. And so I apologize to them and I want to apologize to them publicly because we love them dearly. And, uh, well, well, hopefully we can make it for the boys. If I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just saying. Amen. Uh, so I give honor to your pastor and his wife, his family. Give honor to Bishop. We love him. 
and uh, Mama Wright. But I feel like God wants me to share with you an understanding that revolutionized the way that I approach my relationship with God, um, if you'll allow me. But I also, I usually don't get to do this, but I want to give honor to my wife that is here with me. We, we left the kids somewhere. I don't know where we left them, but we left them somewhere. And we got to sneak away and have a weekend or, you know, Thursday at D.C. But I'll tell you something, that woman never ceases to amaze me. Amen. But she was a part of the inspiration for this message. So I'm going to blame it on her, her if it goes good or bad. Either way, I'm just going to blame it all on her. Genesis. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the Gospel of Genesis. Amen. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read out of Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 5. Don't worry. I'm not going to read it all. Just portions of it. Genesis chapter 1, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female. Created he them, two, male and female, to create one image. Now going to Genesis chapter 2. We'll start reading at verses 19. After God told Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. You need a girlfriend. Verse 19 says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle to the fowl of the air and to the beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a help meet for him. He's all alone. So knowing that it's not good for Adam to be alone, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof and the ribs. Somebody shout the rib. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Somebody shout woman. Shout it nicely, gentlemen. This is one of the only times you'll get away with it. So you better do it heartily unto the Lord. Woman. But now we're going to go to Genesis 3. One verse in Genesis 3 in verse 20. That one that Adam called woman in verse 20 of chapter 3. And Adam called his wife's name Eve. Somebody shout Eve. 
because she was the mother of all living, Eve. But now Genesis 5, in chap, or chapter 5, verse 1, we'll read this in verse 2, and I'll have you seated. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. This morning I would like to maybe share with you this thought. Eve's first name. Eve's first name. Amen. I'm going to need all the help that I can get. So I'm going to ask you to put your Bibles down or like pastor taught us to wear it on our head. Go back and watch it Thursday night. Mike, you, he he tagged me in, in it. In Jesus' name. I told pastor I was wearing it today. But he's not the only one. You're not crazy. You're not the only one that's done that. There's times I've walked around. But I need your help. Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you. We worship you. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence to know what we know and to have what we have. But Father, I pray, let us have a teachable spirit. Let us be a student of what you're trying to show us today. I pray, allow your living word to preach your written word so that we may know and understand who it is that you are and who we are in relationship to you. And we pray it all, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. For neither is there salvation in any other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Before you're seated, slap high five with your neighbor. Tell them, that's not my first name. (laughs) Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, in the beginning, that's where it all starts, is in the gospel of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It's pretty simple. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created two parallel planes of existence. They would run parallel from the beginning even unto the end. But here's the understanding that the Bible said that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God, the first reference of the Spirit. The Spirit moved upon the face of the water. That was the first encounter of the Spirit interacting with creation. That the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. You'll find in Proverbs that the face of the water, it says, was made to reflect 
So I believe that the first precedent that God was setting in His Word with these two parallel planes, with the spiritual and the natural, that the Spirit interacting with creation in its first interaction was that the the face of the waters was made to reflect the supernatural or the spiritual. This interaction God was saying, I'm going to use from the very beginning. The Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. In other words, the natural was always going to reflect the supernatural. It was the creation was always going to reflect the creator. It was that thing that we know and understand down here that God was going to use the known to show you a glimpse of the unknown and take you where you've never been and show you things that you have never seen before. So what God was saying is I'm going to use creation to reflect and reveal not only creator but reveal Christ. I'm going to use the things you can see to show you things you can't see. That's what he said in motion from the very beginning. So God then creates Adam, a man in his own image, forms him. And when he forms him, he he wants to have a relationship with him. And he names him Adam. And when he named Adam, he gave Adam authority and dominion over all the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air. And I can't even get my dog to listen to me. Amen. But here's the deal. God created Adam in God's own image. Named him, gave him authority, dominion, and power to rule and reign down here in this terra firma. And what I want you to understand is that God, when he made Adam, Adam was incomplete. Adam was left undone. He was, God said, boy, it's not good for you to be alone. So what does he do? He takes Adam and and he brings, once he says, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. You need a girlfriend. You need a little honey. So he gets him a little. But once he says that, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you, this is a Ryan Near translation. I think they're selling it back in the merch booth. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But what I want you to understand is that, that God, once he created, he said it's not good for you to be alone. You need, you need somebody. And once it was very apparent that Adam was alone because his shirt was wrinkled and untucked, The back of his hair was sticking up. Thank God for my wife. Don't forget to comb that little thing in the back. Spray it down so it don't move. But watch this. It's not good for you to be alone. Then God brings all the animals. Look at all the animals. To further prove his point. Adam, you're alone. Look, everybody else got somebody. And now Adam can relate to God. But the thing is, the Bible says that Adam, as an exercise of authority, began to name each and every animal. 
every beast of the field. And the Bible said that whatever he called it, that was its name. Because to name something was an act of authority. It was an exercise of dominion. And I want you to understand it's the name that becomes the bridge by which Adam accesses God's power and and exercises his authority. God named him and through him submitting to the name Adam, he therefore begins to name everything else. So to name something is an exercise of authority. And when something answers to that name, it's an act of submission. And it's the act of submission to that name called over the animal. When it submits, therefore it it accesses authority. Let me just continue the call in response to a name is the ebb and flow of power. So Adam named everything because God had given him dominion. But here's the deal. The Bible said that Adam not seeing anything that was like him, he went, God put him into a deep sleep for three days and reached into his side and pulled out a rib and he took that rib as the fundamental element in which God would use to construct a bride. And he made a bride out of that rib. And then once he made that bride, he woke Adam up and said, Adam, I got something for you. You're going to love it. Woke Adam up. And we now know that woman looking back through time as the name by the name Eve. But can I tell you, while we may know her as Eve, how many's ever heard of the story of Adam and Eve? If you show me a show of hands. Everybody's heard about Adam and Eve. But can I make the argument today that Eve wasn't Eve's first name? And in fact, Eve wasn't named Eve until after they had fallen in sin. And Eve, it was an aftermarket name. She had fallen in sin, they're stained, but then Adam then calls her Eve because she's going to be the mother of all living. Because Eve wasn't Eve's first name, but Eve was more of uh, the mother of all living. It was more of her redemptive role that she would play in God's plan. Mother of all living. But Eve wasn't Eve's first name. And if Eve wasn't Eve's first name, we got to go back. And we see that the first time that Adam saw her, he said, Whoa, man. But woman, she's now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We'll call her woman. Woman, it doesn't literally, the, the, the Hebrew is not whoa, man. Right? In the Hebrew, it just literally means of man. It literally, it's what her essence was. So Eve wasn't Eve's first name. That's not who who she was. That's more of her redemptive role that she would play in humanity. But woman was more of her essence, what what she was, not who she was. But if we want to know Eve's first name, we've got to go to Genesis chapter 5 and we'll find out that God records Eve's first name that in the book of the generations of Adam, in the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him, male and female created he them and blessed them and he called their name Adam in the day that they were created. And God, after he created the 
the man and then he presented him a bride. It was on that very same day that God called one name over two people. And it is by that one name, that one banner that was over both of them that they became one flesh. It's that one name that Eve was able to access all authority, all power, all dominion because the same name that was spoken over the groom was now spoken over the bride. So all authority that Adam had could be exercised by anyone bearing the same name. So he called one name over both of them. And by that one name, two, twain, the Bible says, twain became one flesh. Two became one because of a name. It was because of that name, me and my wife, that we, she lived in Colorado. How does this pertain? She lived in Colorado. I lived in Iowa. There's a big, long, ugly state in between us called Nebraska. They got a college football team. University of Nebraska, the Cornhuskers, yes, they got an N on their helmet. I asked one guy, what, it, what you know what N stands for, for in Nebraska, that N on their helmet stands for? They're like, what? I said, knowledge. But that big, ugly state was in between us, and we were definitely two people. But it was back, I don't know, 2009, that we stood at a Colorado Springs altar where I now pastor. And her grandfather stood over both of us. I was sick and tired of driving back and forth. So we, May 30th, 2009, we stood at an altar in Colorado Springs. And as we were there, listen, it Papal turned us around and he said, I now present to you Mr. and Mrs. Ryan Near. And he spoke one name over both of us. And all that I had and all that I was, she had access to by and through that name. I'm here to tell you that name caused two people to become one flesh. And she got to access all my money. She got to, oh, she got to drive my vehicles. She got to open my mail. Right? She drives a vehicle right now. That's got my name on the bill. But do you understand? I know it's funny we understand that. But that one name when it was spoken legally. Do you understand what happened? Legally, we became one flesh. Legally, she gained access to not only everything that I had, but she gained access to everything that I am. Hey, oh God. And I want you to understand that's what happened with Adam and Eve. There was one name that brought them together. And all authority that Adam named the animals, he said, you're going to be this. And that's exactly what they were. You're going to be an aardvark. I don't like an aardvark. That's what you're going to be. You're going to be a skunk. I know it stinks, but you're going to be a skunk. Right? But what does that matter? (laughs) Because the Bible says, Paul, trying to get the church to understand Christ. He would always reach back to creation 
for there to be a reflection to reveal Christ. So he, the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 45, said, and so it is written, somebody hear me, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, somebody say the first man, Adam. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. But the last Adam, the last Adam, was made a quickening spirit. So he is saying, Paul saying, there's two Adams. There's the first Adam, which was the one that fell in the beginning. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. But the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual but that which is natural and then afterward that which is spiritual the first man is of the earth earthy but the second man is the Lord from heaven so Paul is reaching back to creation to reveal to the Corinthian church Christ he said the first man Adam was of the earth earthy but the last man Adam was the Lord Jesus Christ so he's saying let me show you something about about the first Adam so you can understand something about the last Adam. Uh, now we know that the first Adam, he was made in the image of God. But the first man of the earth, earthy, he was made in the image of God. But the last man, Adam, being the Lord Jesus Christ, according to Colossians 1 and 15, he was the image of the invisible God. So just like the first man of the earth, first man, Adam, of the earth, earthy, he was made in the image. The last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, was the image of the invisible God. Paul was saying God had in his mind the last Adam when he made the first Adam. But watch now, it doesn't stop there. As the first man, Adam's of the earth, earthy, and it's not good for him to be alone. Neither was it good for the last man, Adam, to be alone. So he took the first man, Adam, and he put him in a deep sleep so he can get him a bride. But so is it with the last man, Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. He went into a deep sleep for about three days. A deep sleep called death for about three days. Because it wasn't good for him to be alone. But except he, except he die and buried and abide alone, he cannot bring forth much fruit. But just like the first man, Adam of the earth, earthy, when he was in that deep sleep, God reached into his side and pulled out the fundamental element in which he would use to construct a bride. And so is it with the last man, Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. When he was in a deep sleep called death on the cross, it was John 19 and 34. It says, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water in other words like the first man Adam out of his side the last man Adam flowed the fundamental elements in which Jesus would use to construct the bride the first man Adam's side was open and he pulled out a rib and he made a bride. But the last man Adam, the Lord Jesus, that Roman spear pierced his side and out of his side flowed the blood and the water. You cannot be a part of the bride outside of the 
That's why you've got to go into the watery grave of baptism. Because when you go down in the water, you apply the blood. And that's what makes you a part of the bride. Oh, I wish you'd clap your hands. See, these two parallel planes are running together from creation all the way to Christ. And he's saying, you better take a good look at Adam so that you can understand Christ. Because here's the deal. (laughs) It didn't stop there. Because the first man of the earth, earthy, The first Adam, after he was in that deep sleep, and God reached into his side and pulled out the elements by which he would use to construct a bride. He then woke him up and presented him with a bride. And so is it after the last man, Adam, was in a deep sleep called death for about three days. It was that spirit of resurrection power. God woke him up and began to present him with a bride. But here's the deal. This is where it gets fun. The first man of the earth, earthy, the first Adam, while he was now awoken, And there was a bride to be had. It still took God speaking one name over the groom and the bride. And he called the same name that was on the groom. He spoke it over the bride. And it was that one name that brought two together as one. It was that one name. Hear me. That one name that was applied to the bride. That the bride then gained access to the power. It gained access to everything that the the first Adam had. And everything the first Adam was. So is it with the last man Adam the Lord Jesus Christ there was a groom that was buried in the grave but he was resurrected but before he was resurrected and he still had a bride to be had but I'm here to tell you just like the first man Adam that God spoke one name over both of them to give them one identity hear me the last man Adam that last that name that one name that he spoke one name over both of us and it's by that name that you get all authority you get all power legally you gain access not to everything that he has but also everything that he is he's a healer by that name he's a deliverer by that name hey Do you realize it's not semantics when we speak the name over you in baptism because the same name that was on our groom has got to be spoken over the bride. I pray this makes sense because here's the deal. Just like the first man, Adam, and his bride, there was one name. And it's by and through that one name too became one flesh. And it is by that one name of the bridegroom that's spoken over us as the bride. It's by that name that we have legal authority to all power and dominion. Not that we want just power and dominion, but we want Him. But the same 
same name that causes devils to tremble. It's the same name that can cause you to sneak in to the throne room and just be with Him. Oh, sit down, sit down, sit down. Sit down. So let me say it like this. By that name, we get to drive His minivan. Do you get it? His name's on the bill. Medical bill, electrical bill, it doesn't matter. One lady. Uh, I'm trying to reach Ryan near. He's got an outstanding debt. Jesus paid it all. Don't try that. That don't work. But, but listen, that's why. When we baptize, we baptize people in the name. Why? Because just like in creation when God spoke one name and brought two separate individuals even though they came from the same flesh and blood and bone. It was still two individuals that came together into one flesh by one name. And that's why we are adamant about that name being higher than any because that's the name of the bridegroom. So when we baptize you and we apply the blood in the water like what flowed out of his side when we apply we must apply it in the name right because here's the deal it's very you that's why you got to say the name it's not semantics because here's the deal you can call on the father father but the bible said that john 8 and 44 Calls Satan the father of lies. Ephesians 2 and 2 says that he's a spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So Satan is not only a father, he's a spirit. But according to 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3, it's talking about the Antichrist or the fullness of Satan dwelling bodily. The Antichrist, Satan in flesh. It says of him in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3, it says he's the man of sin and calls him the man of sin, which is the son of perdition. Biblically, I just showed you that Satan is a father, he's a son, and he's a spirit. So to differentiate between what father, what son, and what spirit you... You better speak the name. You better say it. Because it's the name that differentiates between every father, every son, every spirit. Hey, and if you want the right father, right son, right you've got to say. Somebody shout that name. <laughs> All right, sit down. I'm done. I'm just teaching now. You ready? How is it? How is it that the Bible says that Satan is a father, he's a son, and he is an unholy spirit? Father, father, son, unholy spirit. 
but we've never accused him of being a trinity. Biblically, Father, Son, and Spirit all differentiate that He's a Father, He's a Son, He's a Spirit. But never have we accused Him because He knows that there's only one God. The only thing is, He wants to be that one God. So if He can make the God that is one, if I can make Him to see Him like three, that gives me an opportunity to be the... You understand that why, that's, why we, that's why we fight to contend for the faith that was once delivered the saints because the name of Jesus is the identity of that one God. But it's not only His identity, it's what gives us identity but also gives us legal authority to access His power and dominion. So you want to know what the devil does? Then you want to know what the devil does? He tries to change it. He tries to mess it up. That's why Jesus' name, water baptism, in the Britannica Encyclopedia, in the 11th edition, volume 3, page 365-366, says that the baptismal formula was changed from the name of Jesus Christ to the words Father, Son, and Holy Ghost by the Catholic Church in the 2nd century. That's history. But I'm not picking on the Catholic Church. I'm not. I'm really not. Because by their own admission in the Catholic Encyclopedia, Volume 2, page 263, this is where the Catholics acknowledge that baptism was changed by the Catholic Church. But Colossians says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed... Do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why he said you've got to do it in the name because it's the name that gives you legal authority. It's the name that gives you access. It's by and through the name. It's by and through the name that you have power over sickness. It's by and through the name that you have power and authority and dominion over depression, dominion over anxiety, dominion over fear, dominion. Hey, it's through that name. So why not do everything but the name? That's why he said, then Peter said to them, repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now I, 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 I teach a lot of Bible studies now. And there's a guy that we're teaching right now. His name's Peter. And it's so fun having, teaching him Bible studies. Because I have him read all the scriptures. And he, his eyes lit up when it said Acts 2.38. And Peter said unto them. I said read it Pete. And he said, and Peter said unto them, I said, that's you. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the singular name of Jesus Christ for what? The remission of sins, the removal, the total payment for your sins. That's why you're baptized. It tells you why. Not just as a, a public confession of your faith or a declaration of your faith. No. An outward sign of an inward faith. No. But baptism is for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But 
Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion. Watch what this says. Volume 2, page 377 on Acts 2.38. It says, name was an ancient synonym for person. Payment was always made in the name of a person referring ownership. Therefore, one being baptized in Jesus' name became his personal property. Ye are Christ. Do you understand that when you went down in the name and that name was spoken over you like there was a name spoken over Adam? I'm here to tell you that there was ownership being implied that you are mine now. That means it's my responsibility to take care of you. It's my responsibility to make sure you're whole. It's my responsibility that I protect you, that I keep you by and through a name. He said of this name in Ephesians 3.15 of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Do you hear what he just said? To be a part of his family, you've got to have his name. He said everybody in heaven and in earth is going to be part of his family. So we know that there's power in that name. And I'm going to wrap up here pretty quick. I don't know how long I've been preaching. I think a court, 10 minutes, maybe. The, left, the rest was just filler. You ready? There's power in that name. Oh, I'm feeling a walking spirit. If I get down here, y'all in trouble. Oh, somebody dared me. Here we go. Watch. There's power in that name. It's not just semantics. Well, that's what you're... No, no, no. There's power. Now, I remember there was a... I was in South Dakota and a pastor's daughter that I knew very well. uh, She just... Good girl. Grew up in church all of her life. Never smoked. Never cussed. Never did drugs. Never dropped nothing. Never picked nothing up. (laughs) She's a good girl. But she was... I mean... About the same height as my wife, about solid five foot, just right there, all right? Love you, babe. But here's the deal. She had never in her life done anything, but then somehow she got a burden for prison ministry. And I was like, really? And she went in. In, in the middle of South Dakota, and they had some of the roughest women that she would go in weekly and minister. She'd always give me testimonies. Brother Near, God's doing this, God's doing that. But she, having never experienced any of the, the stuff in the world, is going and preaching to some mean, mean women. And there in that place was a, I think she, it's either East or West African immigrant that was there that had come to the States, ended up in South Dakota, but she could barely speak English. Barely. And in that prison, after one of the services, after people get the Holy Ghost, people get baptized, this lady comes up to her in very, very broken English and says, can I, can I, essentially, can I talk to you in the other room? And so they go into the other room and they're by themselves. And in her broken English, she was trying to tell her she felt like she was possessed with a demon. Now, 
I wouldn't be ministering at women's prisons. But you got this lady. She doesn't know how to say it. That she's tormented. She's going through all of this. Depression, fear, anxiety. But it's not just, it's, it's above and beyond. And she doesn't know how to communicate. So she says this to her in her broken English. She can't find the words. She says, I swallowed a snake. That's all she knew how to try to communicate that the demon came in. I swallowed a snake. Guards. That's where I'm at. I'm just kidding. And as soon as she said, I swallowed a snake, she began to slither out of her chair and across the floor. And that little, that little pastor's daughter, cute as can be, never did anything wrong, never faced a demon. All she did when that lady started slithering on the floor, she stood up and she said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stop! And she stopped, frozen. She snatched her up and said, get up. And she got her to pray a prayer of repentance in her brokenness. She cast that booger out and she prayed that woman through to the Holy Ghost and then baptized her in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, you've got more power than you realize. You're putting up with a lot more than you should. You've got that name. So in the name of Jesus Christ, For that name is above every other name. That means it has priority. That means it's a first name. It's, and some of you need to be on a first name basis. I felt it in the Holy Ghost that we're putting up with a lot more than we should be because we are not on a first name basis relationship with Jesus Christ. Eve, woman, but not the name. So I, I know there's, I can tell you all kinds of other stories. If you want to hear the rest, come back tonight. But I'm telling you, there's power in that name. I could tell you about, I don't want to share my personal stories. I've shared so many stories here every time I've come. But I remember there was a little girl that was another pastor's daughter. That she didn't have an inner ear. That little thing in the inner ear that made her to be able to hear. She didn't have that. But she was at a general conference. And it was when Brother Woodward preached about the name. She went up. To that front, and she couldn't hear anything, hadn't heard anything in that ear for her whole life. But when he preached about the name, people started responding to the name. That ear all of a sudden popped open. 
And God, not, not only could she just hear, God literally recreated that inner ear canal in her ear to be able to hear. Because the same God of creation was the same God that was in flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among. That's who Jesus was. He was the creator. The, God was in Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. He said, I'm going to give back my creation. And He did it through a name. And that's that little girl. She heard that name. That was the first thing she heard out of that ear. There's power in that name. So how many believe there's power in that name? We believe there's power in that name. I could tell you story after story about that name and how there's power. I told you that one time we had that one lady. She came in Milwaukee. I was in a service and there was a witch that had come to the service or an ex-witch that had come to the service. And she came up here. Her her boyfriend started getting the Holy Ghost and she got nervous and started like shaking him, trying to snap out of it. And I came to her and I prayed. I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the residual effects of witchcraft. Now, I've seen her nails. They were just like mine, clear as could be. But when I spoke in the name of Jesus against that spirit of residual witchcraft, her nails, you can ask my wife, her nails went black as coal. It manifests just like that. And I said, "Uh uh-uh, in the name of Jesus, release her now. And I'm telling you, she fell to the floor, and we prayed her through to the Holy Ghost. We have that power. I don't mean to get all spooky. I don't mean to get all crazy. But I'm trying to emphasize that when you went down in that name, when you went down in that water, you weren't just getting wet. You weren't just taking sin off. But you were putting a name on. So now you don't have to live addicted. You don't have to live mentally oppressed. You don't have to be emotionally unhealthy, sabotaging your relationships time and time again. But you've got a name that can redirect your neurological pathways you've got a name that redirects your emotions you've got a name you might want to get ready you did such a great job today she did such a great job today everybody this is Emily Didn't she do a great job? The whole praise team did a great job. Here's the deal. I didn't want to get too spooky. I just want to prove the point, okay? Here's the deal. How many believe there's power in the name? Simple as that. But here's the deal. Sometimes, which we are guilty of, we can often become educated Beyond our obedience. And we can know things here. But not live things. That we know. And I'm convinced there's no church in the world. That knows. Like we know some of the things that we know. But I'm guaranteeing there's a lot more that we, that we know. Than that we live. 
and that's not to be an indictment. Of, I know more than I live. I wish it wasn't so. But here's the deal. We know that there's power in that name that was spoken over us in baptism. But a lot of times, the way that it looks, remember what I said? To name something is an exercise of authority. But to answer to it, that name that's spoken over you is an act of submission. So when something calls out to you, I know there's a name above every other name, but many times we live like this. So hey you with depression. Right here, that's me. Hey you that came from a broken home. Right here, that's me. Hey you that just don't know if you're worth very much. Right here, that's me. Do I even matter? Right here, that's me. Hey you that's looking for a place where you fit, but you can't find it. Hey, you. Right here, that's me. Hey, you. That's been in one relationship after another and cannot find peace. Right here, that's me. And we answer to all these other names. That we've allowed to identify us. Hey you. From a home that had divorce. Right here. That's me. And now you bring all that baggage into your current relationships. Right here. That's me. Hey young man. Who's insecure. You don't know. God could ever use you. Right here, that's me. And when you answer to all these other names, that's an act of submission. And the devil just keeps throwing things out there. Hey, you that's prayed for your children, but they're still sick. Hey, you that's prayed for your family, but it's still in shambles. And you say, that's me. You're submitting to that identity He's putting on you. And wonder why you can't break free. Because you're submitting to an identity. But can you get me? Can you pull up a scripture? I don't know. Galatians 3 and 27. There it is. Do you have the Amplified? Can you do Amplified? Okay. Do the Amplified Classical. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. In the Amplified it says, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have been clothed with, and have put on Christ. There it is. 
for all of you who were baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union with Christ, the anointed have clothed yourselves with Christ. That is, you have taken on His characteristics and values. He was literally saying when you went down in that water and that name was spoken over, He gave you a name that's above every other name. So what we should live like is like this. Hey, you that has depression. That's not my first name. Hey, you that came from a broken home. That's not my first name. Hey, you that wonders if you're valuable. That's not my first name. Hey, you that's questioning if people love you. That's not my first name. That's not your first name. Come on, your disease is not your identity. Your past is not your person. So somebody lift your hands and you need to begin to declare that I will no longer answer to the enemy's name. That's it, lift your hands right now. Come on, you need to shed off any other name. You need to throw off any other name. You need to get an attitude and say, that's not my first. I'm not the same little girl that I once was. I'm not the same broken person that I once was. Come on, there's no other name. Somebody call out the name. Come on, if you want to answer to the only name, hey, the only name that's above sickness, I want you to come out of your seat and I want you to run to this altar and I want you to bring all those other names. Bring depression, bring fear, bring anxiety, bring all the confusion, bring your brokenness, bring your past. And I want you to lay it at this altar and say, that's not my first name. Come on, that's it, young man. That's not your name. What your daddy did, that's not your first name. Come on, press in as close as you can. People are still coming. People are still coming. God's going to do miracles in the name of Jesus. Just call out Jesus.
that's not my first name. That's it, Antioch. Go pray in the name of Jesus. Strongholds have to break in the name.
All right, I feel like we need to demonstrate. I want, if there's somebody here right now that you've got pain in your body, you've got pain, you need a miracle, you have a situation, I want you to come. Would you come, please? Where are you at? We got right here. Come on, right here. Anybody else that's in need? You need God to answer a prayer. Okay, we got... Okay. Now do me a favor. You might be up here already, but raise your hand. Raise your hand if, you, if you're in need. Okay, look around. Look around. Look around. Look around. All right. You ready? Okay, we got more coming. We got more coming. I know this might be a little may not be Sunday morning. I don't know. I haven't been here. Sir, would you come here? I see it in your eyes. There's faith. You ready? You ready? What is it? He's got several prayers. But here's the deal. He said he got pain in his rotators, rotator cuffs. And God's going to start with that pain. And we're going to expand faith. Right? You ready? You ready? Father, in the name of Jesus, I command that pain in your shoulders. I command that pain uh, to lift out of these rotator cuffs even now in Jesus' name. That's it. Worship like it's already done. There it is. There it is. There it is now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, I feel it like fire. I feel it like fire. said there's no more pain no more pain worship worship like it's home now God touch his mind in the name of Jesus I command that mind to be whole in the name of Jesus Are you ready? How many believe? You. I saw you. Come here. I saw you with faith as well. Okay? What do you need?
All right, she's got pain in her body. Right now, she knows that there's pain. Would you know if God healed you right now? Okay. She's got pain in one of her organs. How many believe if I lay hands on her and speak the name of Jesus, she'll be healed? Now, let me ask you the next question. You said you'd believe if I prayed for her and spoke the name of Jesus that she'd be healed. But what about if you were to lay hands on her? No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm proving a point. Elizabeth? Jesus. Yes. 